What's good, Space Gang? It is your boy, the BK Space, and you are tuned into the BK Space Show. I need you to do me a favor go over to www.thebkspaceshow.com, that's space with a Z, and check out the website. We got new episodes we upload every week. We got blog posts and all types of good stuff going on over there. It's pretty, it looks good, it's fun. Just go over there, click on the website, and you'll be able to listen to shows anytime you want to. It's pretty much on demand all the time. It never shuts off. It's a website. But on today's show, we got my brother, J.B. Smith, coming through today as he is promoting his new podcast, J.B. versus the podcast. And not only is he promoting his new podcast, I am going to be on his podcast. And that actually aired Thursday everywhere you can find podcasts. So don't be afraid to go find it on your favorite podcast spot because I am on there and you know you like to hear this sexy voice. So don't be afraid to go on over there, listen in on it. Give us a feedback. Let us know uh, what you thought. And don't go anywhere right now. Stay tuned. We're talking superheroes on the other side of this. So it's going to be a good show. All right. Don't move. Ice face gang. On today's show, we got JV Smith, host of JV versus the World. And yesterday, which was Thursday, he just launched JV versus the podcast. And also, I was on that show yesterday. So this is like a double header. And if you didn't listen to that yesterday, because a lot of you guys didn't know about it, so I'm telling you now, go listen to that show and make sure you finish this one first, because you're already here. But anyway, JV. What's going on, bro? What's going on, brother? Good to be back. I think I nailed it that time. Um, <laughs> for y'all that don't know, yeah, I did that intro like eight times because I kept messing it up. Um, anyway, <laughs> we're going to add like that didn't even happen that many times, and this is your first time hearing it because it is. So Today, we're going to talk about black superheroes, the rise of black superheroes, the importance of black superheroes, the impact of black superheroes, everything black superheroes. And maybe we even talk about a few of our favorite uh, black heroes today. And what better place to start than the first publicated black hero, I guess, which was Lion Man from the all Negro comics. I think it's only one issue, and that came out in 1947. JB, did you know that existed? I had no idea till we talked about it right before the show got started. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know either, and I think it's crazy that I'm looking at you know a couple of panels. Um, for the record, that was created by Warren Cromwell Evan. Uh, he was an American writer for another publication and then when that one folded he got with a few of his friends for that publication and they made all negro comics and i don't think they have any other comics after that um but uh looking at the comic and some of the pictures uh, that's been posted online in various places uh, you can go to hornet.com to see these um it looks like it kind of inspired black panther which came out in like 1966. Well, Black Panther's comic didn't come out in 1966. He debuted in 1966. And, uh, yeah. Uh, issue number 52, 
which is kind of cool as well. Uh, of course, we didn't just jump out the gate and start. But historically, I think the most important issue of those two is Black Panther. You sound about right to me. Black Panther is, I mean, especially in terms of now, uh, probably one of the most important heroes of all time at this point. Well, he's definitely getting his flowers. Um, we definitely need, there's more out there. I think that's like the most important thing. And sure. Black Panther, um, having been a player in Marvel Comics for a long time, making that transition to the screen and into the mainstream officially is dope. But there's still way more. But this is an important first step. I mean, we also got to keep in mind, like, it was the same way for Storm, too, in the X-Men. We're definitely going to talk about Storm because she came a little bit later. Falcon debuted as the sidekick of Captain America in 1969, actually, which a lot of people don't put no respect on Falcon's name, but he definitely deserves to have the mantle of Captain America. If if we can accept Dick Grayson as a Batman or any of the Robins as a Batman, why can't we accept Falcon on that same level? He did a fantastic run as Captain America, too. Oh, Very great yeah. run. I think it speaks volumes to what is happening right and right now. Absolutely. Because he was dealing with racism and and people giving him pushback the entire time. He and he was dealing was. with, um, he was dealing with um, the weight of carrying the shield and what it meant and and just following behind, you know, Steve Rogers and everything that meant. And I don't I don't know, man. I felt like it was a bit bittersweet moment when Cap got the shield back because I didn't want him to get it back. But you know, it's comics uh stat core always always gotta return back. Yeah. I mean I was cool. I was definitely cool with them um having running two Captain Americas for a while. But him going back to Falcon just kind of just killed all the momentum he had. I feel like he should have went to something else. He could have just stayed Captain Falcon. He really could have. <laughs> and I would have been okay with that. So Falcon was in 1969. And right after Falcon, DC came through in 71 and got their act together and gave us our first black superhero in their continuity, which was Green Lantern, John Stewart. And he he, um, he showed up in issue number 87 of Green Lantern as a substitute hero. In fact, right after, like soon after, um, Heroes for Hire started, or well, Hero for Hire started with Luke Cage and Power Man. Well, Luke Cage, Power Man. I don't know what it is about 70 superheroes, man, but... We got a lot of black heroes that came out during that time. You know what? Blade came uh, during that time as well, which was 1973. As a comic book fan, and I am slightly ashamed to say this, I didn't read a lot of Blade or Dracula because Blade debuted uh, in Dracula number 10, Tomb of Dracula number 10. And Dr. Voodoo came, well, Brother Voodoo came after that in uh, Strange Tales. Well, both of them was in 1973, but you know, Blade was first, then uh, Brother Voodoo came in Strange Tale. So that was number Strange Tales number one sixty nine, actually. See, and I, I mean, don't be ashamed about the Blade thing. I was not made privy to Blade's existence until the Blade movies. Then I went back later and then did the research. Was his movies first? Or did he premiere Spider Man animated series first? 
Which one was first? I now that I think about it, as you say that, I have no idea. I feel like Spider Man came first, then the movie came afterwards. It makes sense because um, that animated series that was like ninety three through like ninety seven, something like that. Yeah. So while we're on Blade and Blade's movie, before we move on, because if it wasn't for Blade, Marvel would have shut down. They definitely need to put more respect on Blade's name over there in Marvel. Our next hero we're about to talk about, Storm. My girl, Aurora Monroe. Man, Storm, the first mainstream black superheroine, and she debuted in Giant Size X-Men, number one. And I think Misty Knight in Marvel premiered number 20. No. So in 1975, we had Storm in Giant Size X-Men, number one, and Misty Knight in Marvel premiere number 20. Now, hold on. Hold on real quick, because I got a little tidbit to correct that. Because um, remember back in February, I was doing my um, Black History Spotlight, Black History Character Spotlights? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was doing the research for that because I did both Storm and um, Misty, Misty Knight. Knight. Mm-hmm. Misty Knight actually debuted before Storm. She just what? didn't have. She yeah, she beat her by a year, like less than a year. So Misty was like maybe nineteen seventy four, but she wasn't right. But she wasn't Misty Knight, the character. She was there. She just didn't have a name. Oh, so. Does that really count? It was more like she was a retcon in the future, maybe? Is that what you're saying? Nah, she wasn't a retcon. She was there. She just didn't have a name. Oh, so they had her character. She was meant to be something bigger, but they didn't give her a name. But she played a major part in the background. She was in the background one issue. And next thing you know, she's back again with her name and her own title. Oh, so she was bizarre for a second there. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, okay. So... Correction, Misty Knight debuted first, then Storm, but Storm definitely does get the prestige over Misty Knight in this one. She's probably more iconic than most of the people on this list, other than what, Black Panther? Yeah, basically, basically. Um, you think about Black heroes prior to um, 10, 20 years ago, Storm is probably the one that most people think of first. In 1976, DC uh, dropped Tyra with Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes number 216. I don't even know who Tyra is. But then they came through with Black Lightning. I think he was the first one to have his own uh, title, his own name title in DC as a whole, which is Black Lightning number one. And that was in 1977. Yep. So the 70s was full of like good superheroes. Like righteous representation and all kinds of newness for us. A lot of the heroes that we, a lot of the black heroes that we hold dear came during that time period. Yes. And which is why I see a lot of people arguing about characters that's coming in the movies. And I'm like, they're literally giving you the history of the movies kind of in order. I mean, the history of these characters coming out in order. You know, in a sense, except for Storm. Storm had many on-screen debuts, which is what kind of gives her precedent on this list over everybody else, except for maybe Falcon, because he's had a few outings now that maybe almost matches hers. As far as movies go, we've probably seen Falcon, what, five, six, seven movies now? Uh, Give or take, because he debuted in uh, Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Then 
Age of Ultron, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. So five movies. And Storms still trumps that. Uh, the first three X-Men movies, Apocalypse, Days of Future Past, Dark Phoenix. So, yeah. We got to hit the 80s because the 80s gave us probably one of the characters that helped bring in one of the most, uh, I don't want to say important kid shows, superhero kid shows, but definitely one of the most Titans. And a lot of people have fun memories of Teen Titans and a big part of that was Cyborg. Booyah! Who debuted in 1980 in Teen Titans. And I don't know, man, Cyborg kind of steamrolled his way into being prominent. He really did. Especially I mean, talking from, about like later iterations, like the Justice, uh, the Super Friends and other yeah. like cartoon iterations of like the Justice League. Oh, man. Speaking of Super Friends, I'm sorry. Can we go back to the Super Friends real quick? Because all our lives, we've seen this black dude with lightning and Super Friends. And we're like, who is this guy? Because a lot of people mistake that character as being Black Lightning. And it nope. is not Black Lightning at all. That is Black Vulcan. I think the best version of Black Vulcan was when, uh, was it Sinbad? In, on Saturday Night Live, I think it was, played him. Yeah. And it was like Superman's funeral. If y'all never seen that, go watch Superman's funeral from Saturday Night Live, like early 2000s. And I, I found that probably like super hilarious, man. Man, I've never forgot what other version of um, a Black um, Black Vulcan that was on. It was on a parody show. Um, the Multicultural Pals or something like that. <laughs> they had like Jesse Jackson was a part <laughs> of the crew. <laughs> he changed his name from, from Black Vulcan to Super Volt. <laughs> man. I wasn't with Hold Bird, on. man. It might have been. All right. So we talked about the most prominent, like the top five, six, seven most prominent black superheroes. And there was others that came in the 80s, like Pulsar now uh, known as Spectrum, Cloak and Dagger. Well, Cloak from Cloak and Dagger. Dagger was a white girl. She doesn't count as a black superhero. Um, anybody else I'm missing from that era? Oh, yeah. Um, shoot. Bishop. Oh, X-Men. Yeah. Um, how did I Jerry Carl Bishop? I, I don't know how you did it, but um, uh, somebody who's been lost and forgotten, but also still prominent, Vixen. Yeah. Um, shoot. DC, yeah. Thunder DC and Lightning. Top. Forgot about them. Uh, Deathlock. Oh, Deathlock. Basically Marvel Cyborg. Yep, uh, Bumblebee. Who? Bumblebee. Bumblebee, yeah. Yeah. Man, it's so many black superheroes that just now, uh, right around Teen Titans, actually, the Teen Titans cartoon from what, 2002, three, four, whatever, from that era, that was getting a lot of uh, shine time because of that cartoon. And mm-hmm. between that, that cartoon and now, just skyrocketed in popularity. Bumblebee is on Superhero Girls now. Um, we've seen Spectrum show up in the Marvel movies. And she's going to be in um, WandaVision. WandaVision. She's going to be in WandaVision. Nick Fury. I know he didn't, the black Nick Fury didn't debut in the 80s, but just saying that he got prominence because of characters like that. And it just kept growing. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. Amanda Waller. That's the most badass woman in comics. 
she's one of them you just don't want no smoke with. Uh, None at all. War Machine. I forgot War Machine. Yeah. It's a war Machine. I'm trash. I'm trash today. All right. So let's jump to the 90s for a second and talk about probably the biggest superhero. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so many of them that we're going to forget somebody to be created in the 90s. All right, so imagine Todd McFarlane, a young Todd McFarlane, working for Marvel, created Spider-Man, right? I mean, um, not created Spider-Man, but drawn for Spider-Man. Uh, pretty much the inspiration of Venom, the, the character design itself, other than the guy that sent in his, um, sent in the contest that got paid like $200 for it. Todd pretty much put his spin on that guy's drawing and made Venom, all right? That's another story. So Todd, in in the offices of Marvel suggesting that we do a story about uh, a criminal that Spider-Man stopped from mugging a lady and the guy makes a racist remark basically about black people. And then Todd wanted Spider-Man to look at him and say, what color do you think I am under this mask? Marvel rejected that idea. And a few, that's not like the only offense Marvel had at that point, but I think it was like one of the catalysts to make him leave because he felt like he couldn't make the stories that he wanted to make. So him and a few other people ended up quitting Marvel. And I am definitely uh, paraphrasing this timeline, by the way. They end up quitting Marvel, uh, creating image comics. Todd brings a character that he created in like middle school, high school that he was just drawing. And he created what we know today as Spawn or Hell Spawn, depending on how much of a purist you are at this point. But really helped push that comic book, the rebellious attitude to new heights of sales, history making comic for real. JB? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Spawn, the fastest rising superhero star, well, comic book star in the 90s. Um, got a TV show, got a movie, broke records. For the content, Marvel wasn't really doing in your face. Or Marvel or DC, for that matter, wasn't really doing in your face. This is the devil. This is God comics. And when Image came along with their indie vibe and their rebelliousness, whatever the comic book code was or unspoken rules at that time, they were like, nah, I throw that out the window. We're making these comics with the stories of how we feel like they should be told. And they spun some of the greatest storytelling that pushed the industry to whole new heights. And if you haven't seen the movie, don't don't go watch it. It's it's really not that good by today's standards. Matt Bozier's that's the devil. Um, the representation of the devil in the movie. In the comics, he's just a devil, but we're not getting into what the comics is. We're talking about the movie right now. His mouth didn't move for real. So it was really off-putting. But Matt Bozier kind of terrified me as a kid. I ain't gonna lie. I couldn't sleep. I mean, he wasn't super scary. But as a kid, and it was just the representation of the devil. It was dark. It was gritty. He was messing with Al. I mean, he killed the man so he can lead Hell's army. Spawn is a badass all within himself. And the man took on God and Satan and won like twice. So <laughs> basically said, you guys go in a corner. <laughs> right? You guys can't you guys can't figure it out, then go somewhere. <laughs> If y'all haven't read the arc of when Wanda had, his wife had twins, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but I can't remember what arc that is or what issue numbers it is. But basically, his wife, that's not his wife because he's dead, but she had kids in the future, 
And that's all I'm going to say. Go read it. You definitely should. You will definitely enjoy it because the twist is crazy. Go go read it. Go read it. Spawn had some really like messed up twists. It is during his run. He did. Oh, you don't know my favorite part of the Spawn, the original Spawn comics? What's that? Um, <laughs> in the comics, when Al first comes back from the dead, because he died, went to hell, the devil gave him the Spawn powers. I'm sorry, Malbosia gave him the spawn powers. He came back to life and he had to figure out who he was. And he was trying to get close to Wanda, I think, so he could see her again. And it turned him into a white guy, which is basically a play on the whole time McFarlane, what color do you think I am under this mad Spider-Man comic that he wanted to make that one time? It's pretty much, that was his way of, that was his big F you to Marvel. And Man, that whole spawn was, is amazing. And tidbit, if you don't know, Jamie Foxx is playing him when the new movie comes out. Jamie Foxx could do no wrong. Jamie has been on fire these past few months. Well, these past few years. Yeah, I mean, he actually was really good in Project Power. And if you haven't seen Project Power, I did a review on it last week. So you can go ahead and hit my YouTube channel and go check that out. Definitely go check out the Project Power review. I have not seen it. I watched the review, though, and it definitely swayed whether or not I want to go watch the movie, and I think I am going to go see it because everything Jamie has done after Django, even the stuff before that, but after Django, man, it's like it's, he's been giving off a different vibe since that movie. People don't really talk about it. And I don't understand it. It's, his name does not come up when you talk about action movies. I know because he's primarily a comedian but so was michael keaton before he did batman that's true i gotta correct i gotta correct myself because i misspoke earlier mm-hmm. uh, bishop um was in the 90s 91 ah bishop 91 bishop was 91 so his jericho was almost outdated yeah for the future <laughs> how are you for the future with a jericho bro <laughs> How? I'm glad they gave him dreads in Days of Future Past. Anything is better than the Jared girl. <laughs> Bishop was the X-Men poster child for Soul Glow. Who would have thought Let they had a future? Soul Glow. Or Soul Glow? Soul Glow. Man, I used to see pictures of the Jared girls. And I used like I don't think I ever thought they were cool, but it was just a thing that existed. John Stewart has had character development. And ever since he was decided well ever since they decided to put him in the justice league cartoon in like the 2000s that was probably like the best decision for a black character other than john jones even though he's a martian but the character development that he was able to have from that uh rose his stock exponentially him and um wally west benefited the most from that justice league cartoon True, man, because a lot of people thought Wally West was OG Flash for a long time, me included. I he never really first Flash, yeah, absolutely. We didn't even look at those characters as second rate either. It was like, oh, this is what it is now. Uh, growing up, I had already knew that Hal Jordan existed, but I didn't care for Hal because John, John Stewart was all I cared about. <laughs> Especially after I heard, I read that line when, um, when Hal was telling him, you know. You're a Green Lantern. You got to put on a mask to protect your identity. And John was like, I don't need a mask. I let it all hang out. I was like, oh, oh, yes. 
Yes, this is my guy. <laughs> Let's see. Um, Hal was in Super Friends, and he was the most prominent Justice League um, Green Lantern at the time in the 90s, so he was the one I got most exposed to. Uh, Kyle Rayner was in the Superman animated series. Justice League, it was definitely Jon Stewart, and it definitely, he brought a different vibe and a different swag, because he was he was serious, and he was about his business, and he was like no-nonsense when it came to anything. He, I think he was like the most the second most serious member of the team, like that's not named Batman. Not only was he super serious, this man was a genius level architect too, because he designed the Justice Tower. Watchtower. What is it? Yeah, the Watchtower. Why did I call it the Justice Tower? Where did that come from? I don't know. The man uh, designed the Watchtower, which is probably like one of the most intricate designs in the world at this point, because it's literally a floating base with teleportation powers, cyborg. Now it's like the guy for that, but then it was John Stewart. Like he had to bring back a planet in the comics. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, Kyle Rayner is probably the most creative. He is. But John, John, and making those guns and stuff that he made with his John. I don't care what nobody say. The most willpower, John. Who's your favorite Greenland? John. John. <laughs> My answer is always John to everything now. Although Jessica Cruz is, I like Jessica Cruz. Jessica is cool. I wanted I like to like Simon Bass, but I, I think we all try to like Simon. And not to say that Simon's bad, but he got some, he got some stuff he got to work out. <laughs> huh. Speaking of speaking of cultural impact, if it had not been for all of those older superheroes coming through, getting all this new shine time, and proving that black people can really lead a role in these Black Panther uh, for the most part. Don't get me wrong, Blade was great. But until we got Black Panther, it was a whole lot of nobody wants to see these characters because these Black characters aren't good. And then when you mix that with the, not only are these Black characters not good as their white counterparts, Black people can't lead a film. And then what's nobody that plays Black Panther name? Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick Bowles, thank you. When he came through and he did what? 42 and he did Get On Up. Yeah. And he just kept knocking those roles out the park. When he was announced as Black Panther, it kind of shut all that down that Black people can't lead films, which I think is a ridiculous notion in the first place. Absolutely. Because in the 90s, early 2000s, there were a whole slew of black films that I hate saying black in front of because really they were just really solid movies, great movies that shouldn't have been uh, put aside because the word black was in front of them. Especially but, when you talk about superhero, like just the Blade films alone should dispel that notion. You would think it would have. Any Wesley Snipe film alone should <laughs> dispel that, but here we are. Wesley was on point in the 90s and early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Just... White Man and John, New Jack City. These movies are iconic films. The only thing he didn't do was pay his taxes. Now he didn't do that. You want to talk about indie black comics now? Well, black superheroes now? Absolutely. I've been waiting on this part of the conversation. All right. So um, we were lucky enough to have... Um, the equivalent of the Black Justice League in the Shadow Cabinet um, from Dwayne McDuffie when he broke off from DC and 
created on Milestone Comics. And the greatness, Milestone's greatness. Absolutely. And from there, we got, shoot, let's see, Dharma, Red Dog, Bad Belty, Blitzen, Donner, Fusion, Epiphany, Iota, Iron Butterfly, Manacle, Payback, Plus, Naming, Ramjet, Sideshow, Starlight, Twilight, Windshear, Ash, Ether, Funnel, Headmaster, Oro, Rainsaw, Slag, Telesign, Transit, Witch, and most prominently, um, we got Static. And then the main. The main one we got static, but we also got Icon, Rocket, Harm, and um, Hardware. Man, the Milestone Universe is full of great, great, great comics. So we got to talk about McDuffie and Milestone and exactly how they changed the they, game. They did change the game because the way they made that deal with DC is when you see static, when you see Icon in comics, TV, movies, video games, DC does not own those properties outright. They have to pay Milestone Comics. They basically own their comic book characters, brought them to DC and was like, yes, we would like for you to use them. We would like for you to publish our comic, but we're not selling you the rights to them. We're not giving you the, our characters. We own our own characters. That is unheard of. And then when it comes down to major cartoons for DC. Don't get me wrong, Bruce Tim and company are great. But the fact that Static was able to come through, Milestone was able to come through and have one of the most prominent cartoons of that era, it was on par with what Bruce Tim and company was doing at the same time. Man, you can't deny the power of Milestone comics. Exactly. And by we, I mean other people, not me. And they had Lil Romeo do the uh, intro. What? Zero static shot. What, what? Not Lil Romeo. Not anti Bow Wow. Oh, man. But Milestone Comics really set the standard of new business deal and how. Uh, comics operated, even though a lot of people don't really, I haven't seen too many companies take advantage of that the way they did. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a whole slew of new and upcoming talents in the comic book or JB. Well, JB is, but I'm not. Yes, I am. Industry. And for everybody that's saying we should go and make our own comic, uh, our own characters, A, yes, we should, and B, we are. <laughs> So, and truly, go ahead, JB, take over. You got the, you got the info right All there. All right, well, let's see here. We have Wandisha, Vanilla Latte, Wandisha. Black mm-hmm. Mane, Sparrow, Quiver, Supernatural, and Swift. I'm sure I might be missing a couple of characters. I hope not. But, um, yeah, those are just a few members of the truly. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, each one is a playoff, a prominent Justice League member, and if you is one of my favorite comics. It's actually quite entertaining of all time. It is in my top ten. I am not even gonna lie to you, because old buddy, the Green Lantern knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, when he put that powder in his hand with the Green Lantern powers, and he just yo. <laughs> if you have not, seen, who uh, who wrote that? Anthony Piper. Thank you, Anthony Piper. Go check it. Go go find it. Look it up, Google it. Trill Trill League by Ant Piper. 
that it's amazing. It is an amazing comic. I'm not lying to you. I'm not blowing smoke. If you like the Justice League, if you like parody, if you like good story, if you like a little humor in your comic, if you want to feel some black culture, this is it. This is like this comic got everything you need. And if I'm not mistaken, 50 Cent, I think, is executive producing a cartoon for it. That yes. We ain't heard too much else about it recently, but that was before the pandemic, like right before when that announcement was made. I don't know where that is right now. They're still doing it. Good. I really can't wait for that. I'm excited. So Tuskegee Airs, if you haven't read it, let me go ahead and tell you. Uh, I'll give you a bit of a synopsis of what it is. If you ever heard of the Tuskegee Airmen, um, old school pilot, I think Red Tails was a movie about them. I didn't watch Red Tails. I have a gripe with period pieces and movies. I explained it on another episode. But Tuskegee Airs is about a group of kids. They became ace uh, pilots. Uh, they got really cool planes. A new pilot coming through where he's learning the ropes from the other pilots. And the planes turn into mechs. If you're not sold on that, I don't know <laughs> what else I can tell you. Sales itself. <laughs> and it was written by um, Greg Burnham and the arts works by uh, Marcus Williams. Marcus Williams is like supremely gifted. And Greg is, um, he did children books before then. Um, he's a really nice guy. I've met him. I've met them both. Like Greg is like a really nice guy. He was pretty encouraging when I met him. He was pretty, he was pretty upbeat and optimistic type of guy. Also, I'm going to talk about Brian Michael Bendis before we get off. I know a lot of people have a problem with his work, but if we're being real, he's given us at least three new superheroes that are really, really gaining ground. Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Riri Williams, that was controversial, but it, it, it got ironed out, not because of Bendis. He created her, so I, I'm giving him the, uh, the nod right now. Then he jumped ship, went to D.C., and he created Naomi, yep. which is probably the newest of the... Well, she is the newest of the three, and she's doing really well as far as story goes. I think that's probably his best mm -hmm. written story, in my opinion, as far as uh, black characters he's written, uh, recently at least. I've is she writing Superman stuff? Yeah. <laughs> And Naomi's a heavy hitter. She's definitely the, Man. one of my favorites of um, the new crop of um, like superheroes. You know, I can agree with you on that. She is definitely one of my favorites. Um, I know I don't talk about my family on the show, but my daughter really, really loves her as well. The recent like batch of black superheroes that have come out like lately, because Blue Marvel fits in that. Blue Marvel's not even 20 yeah. years old yet. Was it like 2005? 2008. 2008, um, Aqualad, Calderon, uh, Shorty, Steel, Natasha Irons. We did not talk about Steel, dude. That's no, who we missed. Not talk about Steel. John Henry um, definitely was a thing in the 90s. But um, Natasha, um, his daughter, um, also with the LGBT res um, representation because she's a lesbian. It was hinted at Naomi being a lesbian as well. Yeah. Hinted. I, I think they've alluded to it, but they haven't really like touched on it for sure yet. Okay, this is my thing about LGBT characters. Everybody deserves to be included. So this is not what that's about. Right. It's just about the way that they portray those characters. And I get it. Change is heavy-handed at the beginning, so I understand that it's going to be like kind of thrown in your face a lot. You don't really care about that. It's just when you create the character, the character's art shouldn't be I'm a gay person. 
That makes sense. Uh, not in be a good character who happens to be gay as opposed to a gay character. Yes. Like, let us grow and learn this character. Don't just like, hey, he's gay. There you go. Enjoy. Yeah. You know, I didn't like how they did it with Bobby Drake. I've always been. I grew up <clears throat> watching this man chase women, break himself, trying to get Polaris. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's not and he hasn't been this entire time. I didn't like that. Um, people have problems with the way they handle that with um, Calderon. But what people a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know is that Calderon was always intended to be gay. But he made his debut in Young Justice first before he made his comic debut. So they yeah. had a chance to get ahead of that. So when they did um, Rebirth, they were able to course correct with the character. Yeah. So you know, everybody is represented correctly. I'm all for it. I just don't want it to be a cash grab. And yes, we've had characters that were just black for black sake. And those characters usually don't get far. I don't want to call it a cash grab, but it feels that way. Intent may have not been that, but once these big companies see that, hey, this is happening, they're going to make money. And if the world is swinging for gay characters, they're going to do that. If they want black characters, guess what? gonna do that especially in movies and by the time black panther came around we was like yes we've arrived and for a lot of lgbt there are characters that's just like that that they're just waiting for them to get their shot and like america from uh marvel and i mean one the chance that maybe we'll get hulkling and wiccan that would be dope too because they're like one of the most prominent gay couples in comics we are we've kind of been ranting on for a while now so we're gonna end it here JV, is there anything else you would like to add or say to this conversation? Oh, yeah. We did not cover Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and all of this. We did not. Miles is one of the best um, characters of color in recent history. Um, He just had um, had Spider-Verse last year, getting Spider-Verse 2, seeing the Spider-Man game coming up, um, made several appearances in cartoons across the board, and his character is officially only 19 years old. I can't wait for Spider-Man Miles Morales to really, really blow up so we can get Riri. But I know we're um, the Marvel Avengers game is coming up next week. I'm excited to play that. And they're going to have Kamala Khan as the focal point for the most part. And so who knows? Riri might be next. We might be getting some Riri content somewhere. I know she's had uh, time in the cartoons and stuff, uh, Marvel HQ and all that, but on YouTube. But uh, and it's on uh, that show is now on Marvel Rising is the name of the show. It's on Disney Plus as well. It's actually so quite good. Really, it is. It is. So we got that. Eventually, her popularity is going to skyrocket, and then we're going to get her in the MCU. Eventually, I think. I think all three of them might make their way to the big screen in live action form one day one day (laughs) i give it about another 10 maybe five let's not hope it waits that long because these characters are good and our representation is there and we need it and we deserve it and these are characters that can they can sell they can move products we just need these writers and these creators to push our characters we need more black writers. And the fact that Marvel gave Riri to a black woman, and I'm going to tell you her name, Eve Ewing. Her run started around November 2018, and 
she made that. Don't get me wrong, Ben just created her, like I said earlier, but Eve, and now she feels more natural. So ever since Eve took over, I will say the stories has been way better with Riri. And we'll probably be getting Eve Ewing version of Riri if we ever get her on the big screen. Brian Michael Bendis, because the beginning of that was problematic. I mean, we started with drive-bys. Say no to writing black characters with stereotypical issues. Please. All right, JB, I got to kick you out of my studio. (laughs) 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 We had a pretty good conversation, man. Thank you for being here. I definitely enjoy having this conversation with you. It's always a blast when I come on the show, man. We got to do this again. Oh, we definitely will. You got to come back to my spot. I know, right? I listen, the wrap up is coming up and I'm going to tell y'all to make sure y'all tune in to his show again in, in the wrap up, but, uh, stay, hold up. I got more stuff coming in the wrap up. Do not go anywhere. I'll see you guys in a little bit. Be cool. JB, JB, you be cool. Y'all stay here. <laughs> stay black, everybody. All right, space game. It is time for the wrap up. Now I got a few things we got to talk about before I, officially let you go home or cut this off or whatever so because we had jb smith on the show you know i gotta give you all the information that you can find all his great great content that he puts out so first and foremost i need you to go to www.jbversustheworld.com that's versus written all the way out uh go to youtube at jb versus the world and since your boy was on his podcast it's only right that you make sure that you go listen to his episode that he just dropped yesterday at JB versus the podcast. Now, as far as your boy goes, make sure that you take your old biscuit head self to www.thebkspaceshow.com. I got links to all my other socials. That's the Twitter and the Facebooks and the Instagrams. And if you are confused about that, just look up the BK Space Show on those perspective uh, outlets. Also, Make sure that you tune in every Friday right here for brand new episodes. I can't tell you when JB is going to be posting new episodes because he ain't figured all that out yet. Get your stuff together, man. Um, But here every Friday, we got a new episode guaranteed. And also, also make sure, make sure that you go over to those websites and check out those blogs that's going to be coming. Yeah, I said that. I got a few things posted, but we're going to have more. JB said he's going to be submitting some stuff over there, too. So that be on the lookout for that. It's going to be nice. It's going to be nice. Uh, but for real, though, you've been listening to the BK Space Show. I am the BK Space. Thank you for coming through and listening. This has been an awesome show. JB, we did bring up Miles Morales, Spider-Man. You just forgot when we was recording this episode. Anyway. You know, I got to talk stuff, man. That's my brother. All right, y'all. Be cool. Thank y'all for tuning in.